Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health. Ash for short. Ash is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best in class healthcare access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. You can access the virtual care provider at, at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to Ash today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Hey there, Stacey on the Right Show Nation. We are so blessed to have another great guest for you on the podcast today. One of the things I love about this country is that Americans get to problem solving and we are the ones who actually execute on creating uh, solutions to problems that some years ago we might never have envisioned we would even have. And that is happening right now in the realm of education with kids being home and zooming into classes. And many of the public school districts in the country, 38% of them, in fact, are not open for in-person instruction. Um, 38% are actually doing hybrid instruction, which means kids are at least getting some in-person instruction. But it's not enough, especially when you consider the vibrant educational choices that public school kids were experiencing before the pandemic. So I thought one person would be great to come on and share with us um, exactly what strides are being made and to discuss this important issue for parents, for families. This is just, it doesn't get any more serious than this. So joining us right now is Mindy Hodges. She is at just underscore Mindy on Twitter. She's a school choice advocate, and she served on Governor Rick Scott's educational transition team. He was the governor of the state of Florida. Mindy, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. So let's first just discuss the realities. Um, Democrats actually oppose school choice, and they love teachers' unions. And in stark relief right now is the fact that American parents are waking up right here in February in you know America in 2021, and they're realizing that teachers who are in unions don't have their kids' best interests at heart because all of the private schools, parochial schools, Christian schools, independent private schools – 
They've all been open since August because they need that tuition money to pay their staff. But anything that's taxpayer funded, like public schools, they have really been resistant in huge numbers to reopening and having in-person instruction. And parents are besides themselves because they know their kids are losing learning. Uh, And the pandemic is bringing this realization to them, not conservatives or Republicans or (laughs) school choice advocates. It's actually the pandemic. Absolutely. And um also, kind of the behavior of teachers on social media has been very eye-opening to a lot of teachers. Um, it was eye-opening to me when I began to see teachers um, that were supposed to have kids' best interests at heart being really um, sort of nasty and um, confrontational with parents and school board meetings and on social media. So it has really began to open eyes about what the real aims uh, teachers' unions are, and it is not centering children for decision-making. Um, teachers' unions are about supporting political candidates and protecting bad teachers. Um, I was a public school teacher for many, many years, and I have such high regard for many of my colleagues. But teachers' unions are not there to serve exceptional teachers. They're there to protect those teachers who are not doing their job. And now it's become a way for teachers to decide not to go back to work. So is there anything that you can think of that the Democrats might propose in the way of education that would actually benefit America's kids, just based on what we've seen so far out of the Biden administration? Well, my fear um, in the Biden administration is that everyone that he has discussed putting in federal education positions are top union leaders. Um, And when I see that, when we see people like Randy Weingart getting tapped to be in the Biden administration, we know that's very bad for kids, and that's very bad for families, and that's very bad for school choice. And that tells us that his administration is going to be beholden to teachers unions who are now holding families hostage and also causing mostly women to lose their jobs because ultimately mothers are the ones that end up staying home when their kids can't go to school. So we're talking about this being an administration that, oh, we have the first female vice president, yet we have destroyed careers of women across the United States because we won't let their kids go to school so they can go to their jobs. So there's there's a there's you're you're right there's a double standard there or there seems to be a lack of understanding um in what actually creates an environment where kids can go back to school and so the, we saw this earlier this week we saw um you have Jen Psaki who's the White House press secretary and then you have the director of the CDC and they were actually saying different things. The director of the CDC said that you don't have to have all the teachers vaccinated to return the kids to class because, you know, the private schools have, have been back in session. And then Jen Psaki followed on with that comment on the same day and said, actually, she hasn't made an official statement. So in other words, her just talking behind the microphone, that's not official. She needs to have something on their website or something. In other words, we, we're going to help her decide what teachers need to do before they go back into the classroom. And that is because unionized teachers don't want to go back into, unless they can squeeze some extra funds out of the federal government in this latest stimulus package in order to 
quote unquote, fund the PPE, hand sanitizer, and other items that they say they need in order to be able to go back into the classroom. Meanwhile, the private schools didn't charge anything extra to go back into the classrooms. Well, and the whole thing is theater at this point. The CDC is trying to do what is best for children and following the science that Biden assured us was going to be at the you know center of his administration. But People like Jen Psaki are too concerned about upsetting teachers unions, and it doesn't matter what that does to kids. And again, why I call it theater is because in Florida, where I live, we have been back in school since August. Florida is the third largest state in the United States. We have rural counties. We have urban counties. We have Miami, one of the largest counties in the United States. And kids are back in school and kids are safe. We have not seen any major outbreak. My own child goes to a school where there are 2,700 ninth through 12th graders. There has been no major outbreak. When there is a student that has COVID, we are contacting students that were within a certain protocol, stay home for 10 days. But life otherwise has gone on very normally. So there is no way for teachers unions to say that kids should not be back in school when the third largest state in our country has done it successfully. When we have studies from Sweden and other European countries, who, by the way, Democrats always say we should be like, who say keeping kids out of school is not effective. In fact, it's harmful because you're keeping them in homes where there's more likely transmission. So there's zero scientific evidence to back up their claims that teachers need to be vaccinated before they go back to school. There's no way for students to be vaccinated, which is their other ask, because there's not a vaccine that's approved for students under 16. So all of this is, is theater and a way to, again, get money from the federal government and for teachers to be able to stay home. So the... The sufferers are the students. And Mindy, I actually saw a video online on on Twitter of uh, a young man speaking to a, you know, a, a reporter, and she put her microphone near his face. And he said, you know, I feel like everyone has just said, you know, the public school kids don't matter because any friends and, and people that he knows, you know, that, so neighbors or anything who go to private school, he said they're going to school and people care about them. That's why they're going to school. And nobody cares about us. That's why we're not going to school. And in Chicago, they've actually had an uptick in carjackings. It's like you have to have an appointment to go pump gas because teenagers are just hanging around in the streets carjacking people. And there's no excuse for it. Just because you don't have school to go to doesn't mean you go carjack people. But the fact is, crime is an opportunity type of a situation where teenagers who are not gainfully employed or in school actually end up getting jumped into gangs and being enticed into doing things like carjackings. And so the the big story here is not that COVID-19 was a pandemic or is a pandemic or the big story is not masks. I think one of the biggest stories in this country that's not getting the appropriate airtime is that America's children are literally wasting away a huge percentage of them, the largest percentage really, because private school kids are not the majority of kids in America. The majority of kids attend public school And they're just being left on the wayside because of the political ambitions of teachers unions and now the the ruling class in Washington, D.C. 
And it's so sad because we're seeing the suicide rate increase. ERs are telling us that they are seeing um, mental health, uh, children coming for mental health visits in the ER at rate two and three and four times what they've seen. My son, my own personal son, is a firefighter EMT. They are getting more. Um, they Before Florida reopened, they were getting more um, drug overdose calls and attempted suicide calls than they could handle. Once Florida opened, all of those things changed again because people could go back to their work. People could go back to their jobs. We're not talking about the fact that for many, many children in the United States of America, public school is a safety net. It's a place where they can eat. It's a place where they can receive medical care from a nurse. And it's a place where there are another set of adult eyes on them to ensure that they are not being abused or neglected in their homes. We know on a, a regular basis, about 700,000 reports a year come in to uh, Child Protective Services from teachers. So let's imagine over this last year, 700,000 calls didn't happen because students were not in school. What happened to those children? Oh, wow. That's a devastating number. Um, and we don't know. We won't know because abusers right. don't turn themselves in. <laughs> um and I think there's also the kind of a, a thing with neighbors. If you're not outside, if you're not allowed to talk to people, if everyone has to be masked up and no one's making eye contact, you're not even seeing these kids. Uh, obviously, they're not playing with each other, you know, because normally, even in, in the absence of a teacher making that call, a friend or a neighbor can make it because they see the child at their house playing um, or when they pick them up. You know, I, I have to pick your child up and take them because you, you know, can't take them to school or to to practice or what have you. Also, the coaches aren't seeing them because a lot of kids are not in any kind of organized sport because of, you know, COVID-19 and social distancing. So it's a devastating statistic. And we have to be aware that this is a choice we're making. Um, teachers unions have a lot of power, but the school board in a school district can easily say that they're, you know, we're, we're, opening. We're reopening the school district. The superintendent can agree to that. And then if teachers decide not to show up, you can just say, listen, this is not a, a union issue. This is a child safety issue. And if you're not willing to come back to work, we're going to reach out for alternative, you know, we're, you know, you have to be able to say that. And if, if they're under contracts where they can't actually do that, then that just goes back to what kind of leadership we have in public schools and the kinds of arrangements we've allowed teachers unions to set up with. These are taxpayer-funded entities. The taxpayers are ultimately in charge of what happens there because they're funding it and they're voting the people in, and something has to give. Well, and that's the whole discussion about are public sector unions ever a good thing, and I don't believe that they are. But there has to be a line drawn in the sand where the superintendent and the school board is saying, either you come back to school or you're not getting paid and you're losing medical benefits. That's basically what had to be said to some teachers in Florida way back in August when Ron DeSantis says you're going back to school by August 31. And some of them balked, but ultimately they showed up to school because people need a paycheck. And if people don't show up and we need to do some um, creative teacher certification, meaning people that have a bachelor's degree in a subject can have a temporary teaching certificate for a while to ensure classrooms are staffed, then let's do that. But we can't continue to allow teachers and teachers unions to hold families hostage, to hold our children hostage. I mean, I'm still utter shock at Joy Behar's comment the other day that we hold students back for a year. What's the big deal? 
Well, that is a huge deal to a lot of students. One thing we know is once students reach age 19 and 20, they drop out at unbelievable rates if they have not completed high school. We already have some students who have already repeated a year. If we made them repeat another year and they're 19 or 20, most likely they're not going to complete high school at all. That's one big reason. Another big reason is some students are counting on athletic scholarships to go to school. Some students are counting on getting out to go to a trade school to help support families because people have lost jobs in COVID. So I understand there's an incredible amount of privilege that says, hey, let's just hold kids back for a year. But that does not take into account the reality of what most families are facing. So, uh, Mindy, you mentioned that Governor DeSantis said to teachers, and I just I want to reiterate this because there have to be people listening to the podcast who are who are at a loss for how to motivate the teachers to come back in their own district. And as much as we care about everyone in America, if you're a parent whose child is zooming into class, you're concerned about your particular school district. You just want yours to reopen, which is actually the best way to get this done. If groups of parents just work on their own district, it's easier than a nationwide organization trying to work on all of the districts at the same time. So Governor DeSantis said if you don't return to work, what what things would happen if the teachers decided not to return? He told teachers, you will lose your job, you will lose your medical benefits, and you will not come back to work. He told them, either you show up to work or we will replace you. So it was really, it wasn't even an option of, you know, we're going to come to the table and talk to the unions about how you return to work. It was get back in here or we replace you. Right. And he did do some things like in Florida, students have to wear masks. And um, there are plexiglass barriers between desks. Um, students are six feet apart. There are um, online platforms in every single classroom. That um, So if parents want to keep their child home or their child is showing COVID symptoms, they can still basically look into the classroom. So there are options, but he was adamant that every student will have the option to come face-to-face to school. And so, again, he um, gave them money for extra janitors, things like that. But it was very much, we're giving you janitors. The kids are going to wear masks. We're putting up plexiglass. Teachers are going to wear masks. And we're going back to school. Excellent. All right. So I'm so excited you came on to, to share this with us. We we need strategies from places that are fully functional like yours to help areas that are not fully functional. And I know that, so for our kids, we have one still in, in high school, and she's in the same environment that the, that the Florida kids are in. Um, they reopened in August. They had they have plexiglass shields. They wear masks while they're in the building, um, and they're they've been open and they've been very very diligent with the cleaning and the, all of that. And they didn't charge the parents, which you know of which my husband and I are, are a pair, uh, anything extra to do that. So when I when I hear you talking about that, the only issue we faced is a lot of the public schools here have said, well, you know, we can't do the same thing that private schools can do because they're privately funded. And, you know, somehow money that's going to a private school is different. It looks different. It acts differently than money that goes into the coffers through taxes to a public school. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, so when you see public schools doing it, it puts their statement to 
you know, the test that actually public schools can do this. And the only reason they're not doing it is because of the power of unions. So it's been great to talk to you. Mindy Hodges, you are at just underscore Mindy on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. All right. So we hope to talk to you again soon. It would be wonderful to have you back on. Um, So we are going to be heading out here on the podcast. We'll be back with you uh, in a couple of days with another fantastic interview. And I just want to point you over to StaceyOnTheRight.com or FamilyVisionMedia.org where you can click the link to subscribe to your own health sharing plan through the Alliance for Shared Health. Um, It's a wonderful option. You can save up to 70% on your health insurance premiums. And it is biblically based, so you won't be supporting anything that's ungodly or unbiblical. And with that, I'll say, have a great one.